Uh, open your Bibles to Luke 1. Luke 1. Last week we talked a little bit about Joseph. Today we're going to talk a little bit about Mary. Uh, we've heard a lot about Mary. I hope I bring out a couple of things that maybe uh, you never thought about. That's my hope and prayer that uh, I'll be able to help you look at Scripture uh, that maybe you're familiar with with fresh eyes. Um, I'm, I'm a book guy. I like looking at a book. Um, we, we managed to get to, a, a, usually I'm teaching a new members class, but today we didn't have one, so uh, we got to go to Sunday school with, with uh, Pete Comby, and uh, afterwards he had, he had uh, referenced a, a, an old preacher, uh, Charles Spurgeon, and uh, so afterwards I said, listen, I've got his complete works. If you ever want to like look up something he used, and then he mentioned Google, and I thought, oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, you don't really need books anymore. Um, you know, we used that hymn book today. That hymn, the hymn book we have was published in '97. I looked it up. The last published hymn book I could find was '99, uh, because now we've got ability to look up anything, and uh, so or you know just put it up on the on the wall, and uh, which uh, I like that better because you're not looking down, you're looking up to sing, but. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just we live in a new world, right? But Mary has some qualities in her life that we might think all oh, that was old-fashioned, but she brings some things to the table that maybe you and I need to think about, maybe we never thought about before. Because as important as it was for Joseph to be the daddy of God, the, 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 the father of God, he had to adopt God as his son. If you are here last week, you know what I'm talking about. And so he was given responsibility to teach him and raise him. So much more does Mary have a similar responsibility because she's the one who nurtures him and, and helps him along. And probably she understood better than Joseph from the very beginning uh, this whole relationship. I, I've kind of figured that out when, when we started having children. And I saw that when the baby was born, my wife had this automatic connection. And, it, and I had just met the child and I realized that she had been carrying her for nine months. And so she had a more intimate connection with that, with that child. So I, I feel that that was probably true of Mary as well. And by the way, I said it last week, let me reemphasize it. It takes a mom and a dad. It, it really does. When, when Savannah was a baby, our very first child, I was holding her and Janice said, that's not how you do that. And I said, I know, but I'm her father, not her mother. And I want her to know there's a difference. That's a true story, by the way. That's not a joke. I did say that. So, so, uh, so Mary brings something a little different to the table. Yet in Mary's life, I see some things that maybe I need to catch. I need to think about. You know, do you, do you get that? There's, there's uh, everything that God gave us. He gave us for a reason. And so I want to read just a, a portion of scripture here. If you'll stand up, you're in Luke 1. Um, I had put down Luke one twenty eight, but um, in actuality, we're going to read just about two or three verses um, as, uh, as, as I go through this. Sorry, I turned to the wrong page. Um, I'm going to start in 60, uh, 26. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And that's what I want you to catch. Just that phrase there in verse 28. And so would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Mary, uh, the woman you prepared uh, to, to bring you into the world in the flesh. 
and to nurture you and raise you, uh, uh, Lord. So I just, I thank you for that. I thank you for Joseph. I thank you for the lessons we can learn from their lives. And I pray that this day uh, we might behold the wonderful things in your word. And uh, Lord, not only see them, but understand them. So open our heart of understanding that we might receive it. And God, uh, may we have the courage and the will to obey it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. My, my father, uh, he, he had what we just commonly call Alzheimer's. Uh, I don't know if that was a, a, the actual diagnosis or not. He had a brain injury in 1949 when he dumped his Harley uh, going about 55 down the highway and without a helmet and was, was unconscious for a month and semi-conscious for another month and uh, probably never fully got over that. And, but in the latter end of his life, uh, he, he died in 1994. But for at least 10 years, he, he was severe. And before that, we saw a lot of signs, uh, of course. And, uh, and so my father, there's a, there's a point in when someone is suffering from any form of dementia, usually there's a point somewhere in that progression of that kind of a disease where they want to they want to wander away. They want to get away. They start trying to get out, go places, do things. Um, and my dad, like I said, he rode, he rode a Harley. He also would drive a race car for a buddy of his, had a garage, built race cars, and so he would drive them in races. So my dad loved motors and, and cars. I mean, Sunday afternoon, he'd sit in a Galaxy 500 in the summer in Charleston, windows down, never took off his tie on a Sunday. And so he's out there in his white shirt and his tie on, listening to the NASCAR race on the radio, because it wasn't on TV. And uh, so my dad just loved that. So as he was becoming more and more demented, we couldn't let him drive. But he knew he had a set of keys. So eventually my mom took the, the ignition key away. And for you young people, cars used to come with two keys. One to open the trunk and the doors and the other one to turn the car on. Now one key does everything. So my father went, uh, duh, why don't we put the same locking mechanism on everything? But anyway, so back then you had two keys. So she took the ignition key off. So all he had was that trunk key, that door key, just so he wouldn't get excited and angry because he didn't have keys. So I mean, to a long time, he had that little key case with that one key on it, and he thought he had a car key, and it made him happy, and that's all you want. So anyway, I tell you that to tell you that he got away one day. Uh, only one time did he ever wander off, but he wandered off. My mom came in. He was gone. Went running outside. He was gone. Couldn't find him. And uh, so she called my cousin, who was chief of police at the time, and, and of course, cops from everywhere, all in the neighborhood looking, and none of them found him. But a church secretary called and said, there's a man, called the police, said, there's a man in the parking lot trying to break into my car. And it was my dad with that trunk key trying to get in her car, which was the exact same year and model as his car back home. But that church was not around the corner. You could see the steeple. It was a half mile or a mile away. I, I don't know exactly, but it was a good distance. But from the yard, you could see that steeple. And my dad had walked toward the cross. I think Mary was focused on the cross because Christmas isn't about a baby in a manger. It's about Jesus who will save his people from their sins, being born to live a perfect life so he would be qualified to die on a cross for my sins and your sins. And I think Mary was focused on the cross. I think she understood that from the very beginning. Gabriel told her that. And I think that she knew that. And so we come to this story of Mary. And I, I don't know where you are, 
But I hope you're focused on the cross. I hope your eyes are on the cross. I have a, a friend, we saw him come to know the Lord many, many years ago now, 25 years or more ago. Saw him come to the Lord, saw him grow in grace, and now he's planted a church in Syracuse, New York, became a pastor. And uh, he used to be a comedian, and, and so he, he developed a ministry, and he called his ministry Cross-Eyed Ministries. Because he said, my eyes are on the cross, so I'm cross-eyed. And he liked to be humorous like that, but it, it made you remember it. And I think Mary was cross-eyed. I think my dad was cross-eyed. That, that the point of their life was to look at the cross. And what I want you to take home with you today, it, it doesn't, you won't think that this has anything to do with what I just said, but I want you to remember this. We, the church, is as special as Mary. Because Mary comes along and we... She is applauded and lauded by people all over the place that, that she is the mother of God, that she is the one who bore Jesus in her womb and gave birth to him and nurtured him. And all that's okay, and that's right, that's fine uh, to, to know that. She's not God. In fact, she was a sinner when she became pregnant. She just happened to be a virgin because God made sure she was. God prepared her for this job. And, and, and let me just start there. God doesn't call the able, he enables the called. And God has made you, as I said about Joseph last week, I'm going to say it again until you get it, he created you for a special purpose. And so I believe that God created Mary for a special purpose, that she had a special reason, and so he made her a certain way. And it's important for us to look at how he made her so that we could emulate that and, and, and copy that where we can. You know, uh, uh, a counselor, psycho a psychologist will tell you, if you don't act the way you're supposed to, know somebody that acts the way you ought to and imitate them. I remember years ago when Ronald Reagan was president, they all said, he's just an actor, he's just acting. But we didn't care as long as he acted right, you know. I had a professor who used to tell us, if you take a test from me and you guess at the answer, but you guess right, I'll give you just as much credit as if you knew it. So it's okay to emulate someone and just try to, well, you know what? They do it right. I'm going to try to do it like they do it. And it may not be natural to you, but eventually it might become so. So I think that's true about Mary. We can emulate her. And, and so I, I want to start with the fact Mary's just a sinner that, that God created and specially chose. But I want you to see first that she is highly favored. That's the Bible word here because this is going to tie in later. You need to hang in here with me today. Mary is highly favored. And that's found in verse 28. Um, in, in, in the version I'm using, he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And so some of your version might say highly favored or, or blessed. Uh, all those words mean the same thing. It's, they are, it means favored by God. Who gave her favor? And that's kind of a popular thing today. Uh, you, you run to a Christian somewhere. How are you doing? Oh, I'm favored. You know, or I'm blessed. In fact, you know, like on Instagram and things, there's the hashtag blessed. Well, that's not as good as it sounds. I, I want you to understand something here. Let, let me get into it a little bit, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back and make that. Gabriel shows up and says, you are favored. It's a big Greek word. You don't care about that. It means to grace. It means to give grace to someone, to give them that power, to endue with a special honor. She has been blessed by God. She is highly favored by God. But Mary wasn't good. She was chosen. She wasn't chosen because she was good. She was chosen because God prepared her to be the person that's going to give birth to the Savior and to raise him as his 
mom. And so she's not chosen because she's good. So don't come to church and sit there and think, I'm not good enough or I've got to be good for God to use me. No, you have to be available. Because you can't make yourself good. Only God can make you good. And if you think you're good, that proves you're not. Because the more you see God, the less you think of yourself. And when we begin to think, oh, we got this together and we're all... No, we don't and we're not. We are blessed by God, the fact that he chose us and to use us. And so she has favor in verse 30. Uh, the Bible actually says on down, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I used that word a second ago. I just want to show you it's in there. She has found favor or she has been chosen But what does that mean for Mary? What does it mean that God blessed her? How did God bless her? Well, you see that in verse 31. He says, you've been favored by God, found favor with God, verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and just call his name Jesus. Now, if you're a married couple in here uh, and and some people, uh, pregnancy, birth, it comes easy, some it doesn't come at all. Some, it's very difficult. It's very difficult for my first daughter. Uh, it was difficult for my mom. And, and sometimes we forget there are people that, that feel that pain. In the Bible, we see people that wanted to have children. In the Bible, it was a really big deal to have children. That it was a, a big sign. And so, oh, Mary, you're favored. You're going to have a baby before you get married. And everybody's going to think you cheated on Joseph. And they're going to call you ugly names. And when that child grows up, they're going to point their finger at him and say, we know who our daddy is, but we don't know who your daddy is. And everybody's going to think that you are the worst of society and that you've cheated on your husband. You're blessed. You see, if God's going to use you, you don't get to pick how. You only can say yes or no. And to say no is to say Jesus is not Lord of my life. Are you favored? Are you blessed? Next time you want to hashtag bless it, (laughs) I'm blessed. Must mean you're in trouble. Because sometimes the blessing of God, it does not make you comfortable in this world. It may mean that you have been called to a lifetime of suffering. And that's the way God's going to bring glory and honor to his name. Is it worth it? Absolutely. I use the term a lot of times, doormat. Are you willing to be a doormat for God? I, I, I say I am until somebody tries to wipe their feet on me. And then I get all hot under the collar. Because that's my natural, that's my response in the flesh. And so we, we need to understand that because that was the announcement to Mary. But look at Mary's journey. In the midst of all that, she says yes to this. I want you to see this journey. She had some, a confused question. Look in verse 34 of this chapter. In verse 34, Mary goes, excuse me, I'm going to put this in the vernacular. Uh, okay, I caught what you said, but got a question. How's that going to happen? Seeing as I've never done anything with anybody at all. I'm a virgin, I've not been with a guy, period. I know I'm engaged, but hey, he's a good man, he hasn't been with me, we're good. How's this going to work? She's a little confused. You know, sometimes when God gives you an idea of his will, we go, say what? (laughs) 
Are you, you know, sort of like the guy hanging from a, he falls off a cliff and he grabs a branch on the way down and he's holding onto a bush planted inside the cliff. And he says, oh God, save me. And a voice from heaven says, let go. He says, excuse me? He said, let go. Who's that talking? This is God, let go. Is there anybody else up there I can talk to? You know. <laughs> Have you ever been there in your life? Where you know God's tell, what, telling you what to do, but you know that if you do it, you figure it's going to be a disaster? Well, Mary's going, excuse me, how's that going to work? Well, in the very next verse, the angel tells her. In verse 34, she asks the question. In verse 35, he says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. I, I looked at this word because to lay, to, to, in, in verse 31... Is, is, is where I want you to see this word. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son and call his name Jesus. And I, I, I've, I've often wondered, and I still wonder, exactly how did that work? I, I got an idea, but I don't know. And, and I, I hope that this is one of the films we can watch in heaven. To, oh, okay, I get it now. So I looked, But I looked up that word, and in the language of the Bible, that word means to seize, to lay hold of, to grab onto. To clasp, to capture. And so Mary is told by the angel, you're going to conceive. And they used it in that way in that time. Conceive just meant conceive. We would use the word conceive, but we don't understand what it means. It meant something's going to grab you. And, and of course, that is what happens inside of a woman. We all understand the process of, of, of conception. That, that there is a, a, a meeting of of. Cells that begin to form a baby and they grab hold, right? You're going to conceive and bear a son. The Holy Spirit's going to make that happen. And you call his name Jesus. And so Mary's journey, she's, <laughs> excuse me, uh, say that again. How's that going to work? And look at verse 35. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is old, in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who's been called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. If you are a lady and you came Thursday night, you heard Janice talk about Mary and Elizabeth and their meeting. And Mary said, and, and here's what I want you to catch, her confused questioning became godly surrender. Look, at, look, look there at verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. You see, where God wants to bring us to is not that we can't have questions. Of course we have questions. But Mary totally surrendered to the will of God. She said, hey, I'm a servant. So let it happen to me exactly like you say. I'm good with that. Now, I believe that that phrase there is the mark of Mary's life. I believe this is how she lived her life, her whole life, up to this point, but it's becoming more and more clear to her. And in fact, you're going to see that reemphasized a little bit later as we go through. But, but the angel says, this is how it's going to happen. And she goes, okay, I'm good with it. Whatever you want, I'm, I'm willing to go through it. You catch that? I am your servant. If I'm a doormat, so be it. No matter what you want, you can do that. 
and I will be shamed. Remember last week I was talking, and not everybody was here last week, I understand that. But Joseph was going to be shamed if he took Mary as his wife because everybody figured he didn't do it. Because all he had to say is, I didn't do it, and they're going to believe him, not her, because her testimony is worthless in that day. It's pointless, nobody's going to believe her. So, so he's going to put her away privately because to publicly declare it means she's going to be put to death. He didn't want that to happen, so he's going to do it privately. And he's going to separate himself because he doesn't want to accept the shame of marrying Mary when she cheated on him. And then, of course, the angel speaks to him and he takes Mary's shame upon himself. Well, here's where Mary accepted the shame. Mary, I believe, understood at least nobody's going to believe me. I mean, I don't know about you. How many of y'all got a speeding ticket when you were a teenager? rest of y'all are boring. <laughs> oh my goodness, I did not want to go home and tell my mom and dad. Especially since my cousin was chief of police. In fact, he told me later, why didn't you let me fix it? Because I'd have owed you, that's why. <laughs> I'd rather just go pay the ticket. But anyhow, yeah, he, he'd call in favors if he did that. So I wasn't going to let me have to do that. But anyway... Mary's understanding, I could go tell my mom and dad I'm pregnant and I'm still a virgin. So you find out if you keep reading in Luke, so she left town and went to visit Mary, uh, Elizabeth, her cousin. And by the time she got back, she was three months along and then she tells them the story. Right? Okay, y'all know enough to know that if you don't read the rest of Luke. And so, so her confused questioning becomes godly surrender. I will take anything you want to give me. I'm your servant. I'm your slave we, we, we doctor that word up in the English language now, but this word means slave. Paul said, I'm a slave of Christ. Mary is saying here, I'll be a slave to your will, God. Now, obviously, she taught Jesus well, because we hear him praying in a garden, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Just as Joseph did the same thing. I don't want to do this, but hey, if this is God's will, I'll do it, and he does it. So does Mary in the same sense. Not only that, but she, she forgot her position. She forgot who she was. Look, look in Luke 2. There, there was a time where she kind of forgot who was who there. At 12 years of old, at 12 years of age, they go down to the temple to worship, and they all leave, and, and they, go, they, they walk two days back to where they were going, and then Mary and Joseph decided to find Jesus. They thought he was with his cousins or something. And they can't find him. And so nobody knows where he is. They go running back to Jerusalem. They find him in the temple. If it took them two, two days to walk as far as they were, I wonder how long it took them to get back. Let's say they were running or found faster transportation. Maybe it took them a day. So they've been missing Jesus for at least, I figure, at least three days. I think that's a safe bet. And when they get there, he's still at church. And he's communicating with the teachers and, he's get, and they're all confused. And Mary comes up to him at the end of, of Luke 2, in verse uh, 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. She forgot who she was and who Jesus was. Let me illustrate it. What I'm driving at instead of trying to explain it. You accept the will of God in your life, and things get ugly. 
and you're suffering and you're and you're tried and you say to God, uh, how about some relief? And he goes, nope. And you say, why are you treating me like this? I mean, I did you a favor. I gave birth to you. I let you live in my life. It looks like you could be a little nicer to me. You know what happens when you're offended? Nothing. So grow up and get over it. <laughs> right? Mary's saying, come on, God. Come on, Jesus. Why did you worry your dad and I like this? And what's his response? What? <laughs> Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Joseph's not my dad. Did you forget that, Mom? God is my father. You see, I don't know in that process how Mary taught him or what she taught him or when she taught him or what Jesus knew or when he knew it or how he knew it. And that's by, actually, that's a debate among people that like to debate. Did Jesus always know he was the son of God? Did he figure that out? You know, did, what, you know everybody, I don't care. He is the son of God. We get it. I don't, you know, but I will watch that movie in heaven too. But anyway, so... But, you know, my mom told me I was special. All moms tell their kids they're special, right? It meant something else when my mom said it. But (laughs) Mark Lowry said his mom used to tell him, son, God's going to use you one day. But until then, take this pill. Um, You know, that's, that's sort of where I was. But anyhow, can you imagine when Mary tells you, Jesus, you're special? I know, mom. No, no, you got to understand you're really special. Our son was born under extreme emergency conditions, and he survived, and everything's great. But when he was little, he used to tell his mom, tell me about when I was born. And so we'd tell him the story again and again and again. God's got a purpose for you. God spared your life. God kept you alive when you could have died. Savannah and Stephen up here, both their children should be dead. Born, the first one, a pound and a half, 15 inches long, should have not survived, obviously, but she did, was never on oxygen, and just lived. It's amazing. Bear was born not breathing and did not move for four hours and suddenly breathed and started moving. They said, prepare for mental problems. Boy's as sharp as a tack. He's fine. So they're going to grow up hearing how special they are. Can you imagine Mary's son, you're special? And now she's been telling me special, and at 12, she forgets. She forgets that she's the slave of God. She forgets that Jesus is the son of God. Why are you worrying us? i got to be about my father's business. The father. Not yours and dad's. My father. And he gently reminds her of who she is and who he is. Now, if you continue reading there, he went home and was submissive to them. He obeyed them. He didn't rebel. He didn't go, I'm God and you got to listen to me. He did. He acted like a child should act. But her forgotten position created a godly reflection. Look in verse 51. I I told you 50. They didn't understand the saying. And he went down with them and was submissive to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She built. She just stuck them in her heart. And she remembered for the rest of her life. Wow. This is who Jesus is. This is who I am. And she treasured it. So when you forget your position and God has to bring that correction, remember who he is 
and take joy in the fact that he loves you enough to fix it. There's one other thing Mary kind of forgot. Look in John chapter 2. Just turn over to the next book, the book of John. In chapter 2, she had an overzealous presumption. My mom did it to me. My wife does it to me. I've heard other wives do it to their husbands. It's like there's some men in the church have helped us in our move, and they did some reconstruction in the house and some stuff. And, and, and so I, I'm very appreciative of that. But, but here's what happened. Somebody says, oh, you know, I don't, because I, my hands were put on backwards. I'm, I'm not smart with that stuff. So I need help, and I appreciate when I get that help. But, but sometimes other people need a, a different kind of help that I can provide. And I'll hear my wife, and my mom used to do it, and I'll hear my wife do it. Oh, Stuart can help you. <laughs> what if I have plans? <laughs> I wanted to watch the ball game. I wanted to go hunting or fishing. I had some other stuff I wanted to do. And now you're volunteering me for something? Come on, woman, be quiet. I don't say that because I value living. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm being jokey now. Uh, but, but in John chapter 2, Jesus goes to a wedding. And uh, they're having a good time. They're partying. Third day is a wedding. Uh, on the third day of the wedding at Canaan Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. Hey, yeah, bring your son, bring the guys on over. In verse 3, and when the wine ran out, the mother said to Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus looks at her, this for all the Catholics in the audience. Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour's not yet come. Just in case you thought you could pray to Mary and Jesus has to listen to Mary when she asks him stuff. He tells her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour's not yet come. What does it mean that his hour is not yet come? It means the time for him to die on a cross is not, is not there yet. Right? What did Jesus do on the cross? I know you're going to say, forgive us of our sins. In his death, how did, he, how did his death atone for our sin? What, what happened on the cross that atoned for my sin? He shed his blood, right? When we take communion, what does the wine represent? Jesus looks at her and goes, what does this have to do with me? And here's what he's doing. He's 30 years old now. He's been at home, being whatever his dad was, a carpenter, up to the age of 30, because Jewish men's religious service started at age 30 in that day. At 20, they started going into business, usually what their dad did. At 30, they start their religious thing. So up to now, he's just been working with his dad in the shop. And now it's time to start his ministry, and and Mary comes up, and he's telling her, you don't call the time, and it's not yet time for me to go to the cross. And Mary understands what he's saying. You don't call the tune here, Mom. I am entering into a ministry that God has given me, and God the Father gets to call the tune. I'm done with you now. I've, I've served at home. I'm done with that. I'm moving on now. Now, of course, he didn't neglect her. He took care of her. But do you catch that? Because what I want you to see is Mary's godly renewal of her understanding in verse 5. 
She doesn't get all offended. She says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Wow, that sounds oddly like something she said 30 years and nine months ago. Where she said, behold, the servant of the Lord, do whatever you want with me. She, tur- and she turns from Jesus, looks at the servants and go, listen, you ought to listen to God, do what he says. She gets out of the way and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Because she didn't get offended. She understood what he was saying. My time has not yet come, but that doesn't mean my ministry is over. It means I'm not ready to die yet, but it's starting. She gets out of the way and says, okay, I've done my best. It's your turn. Hey, guys, do what he says. You remember in the next chapter in John 3, a guy comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to be saved? And he says, Da, 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 da. And he said, I've already done that. What else? And he said, you got to be born again. He said, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he reenter his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you, you, you never be saved. And people think, especially among Baptists, that means you got to be baptized. No. What happens when a woman's ready to give birth? Her water breaks. Thank you. It means physical birth. Unless a man's born physically and spiritually. You already told me what the wine represents. And Jesus takes some water, flesh, and turns it into the Spirit. Right. And he is showing by his first miracle, I'm going to take that which is flesh, and we're going to make this a spiritual thing. And Mary gets it and says, whatever he says, do it. That's pretty cool. But I want you to see something else. I know the time is getting away from us. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Because I said at the beginning, you're as blessed as Mary. You're as special as Mary. I want you to see that the church is also highly favored. Look in verse 6 of Ephesians 1. Here's what it says in our English Bible. To the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. You say, well, I know that's in English. What does it say in the Greek language? Some of y'all are scholars and smart alecks. And you want me to? I looked it up because I knew you were going to ask that question. It is the exact same word in the exact same tense, meaning the exact same thing when Gabriel looked at Mary and said, you're blessed. God comes along in Ephesians 1 and says to the church, you are blessed. Now, I want you to put it in context, compare it to Mary. Look back at verse 3. God blessed us. We are blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Being blessed means to speak well of. He has given us every blessing. It's in, in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ, we've inherited the heavenly places. God has already blessed us. And then in verse 4... He has chosen us, just as Mary was chosen, verse 4, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. That word chosen, it means to be made holy. It says, He chose us to make us holy. He chose Mary, and Mary later calls Jesus her Savior. God, Jesus made her holy. So does God make us holy. It's an act of God. I can't make myself holy. I'm not good. I can't make myself good. Only God can do that. It's still today in some places. And a lot of people's attitude is, I got to get cleaned up before I can come to God. 
I have never seen a fish clean itself. But I've caught them and cleaned them myself, and they didn't like it. See, God catches us and He cleans us. You won't like it either. It's not an easy thing to go through. But notice, He cleans us up to be holy. That word means sacred or consecrate means cut apart. The greatest illustration of holiness is the TV series Rawhide. I know, I just try to get your attention. Young people are going, what's that, Mom? You, YouTube it, kids. I'm just telling you. Because it was all about a cattle drive. All the time they're driving cattle, wagon train, all those shows. And what would they do? They would have to work the cows. They'd have to work the herd. So they'd cut a small calf out of the herd. And where's this one going? It's going to the Flying R Ranch. And they'd brand that calf. Because now it belongs to the fly in our ranch. It's been set apart. It's been consecrated. It's made holy. And when we come to Christ, he takes the brand out of the fire of the altar and and burns Christian on us. And now we are set apart for him. And if he wants to use us as a doormat, so be it. Because we don't get to pick. Right? I've used this illustration before. Remember, when God puts his brand on you, you don't get the choice of whether you're milked or slaughtered. Right? He's going to use you as he will, and you're chosen by God for that. We're adopted as children. Look at verse 5. He says that not only that, but he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. A Jewish child in this, this day, and the Roman child, which Paul's speaking to people who understand the Roman world, he's talking about adoption. That adoption, you adopted your own kids. Because up to a certain age, they were raised with the slave children. Now, the Jewish custom, we call it a bar mitzvah today, probably at age 12, that's why Jesus is at the temple, something saying, okay, you're a man now, you belong to Mary and Joseph, it's kind of an official ceremony, probably, is what was going on. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but that's probably true. But in the Roman world, a child got to a certain age, and they took their own children out of the pool of the Slave children, they've all been going to school together, learning together. And, they, and he says, okay, now you are officially my son. You now become an heir of all that I own. And until that child was adopted, he was treated just like the slave children. Or the slave children were treated just like the owner's children. But at a certain age, you took the inheritance of your father. God adopted us. He made us, we're his children by birth creation but then he pulls us out and he goes I'm adopting you as my son and he makes us a Christian are you following that so Mary was chosen by God made his own it says he does this in love the word agape means without conditions he loves us he places us in a position as his son and it's an act of God it's not something you can do for yourself you see if I'm holding on to God I'm going to lose my grip and let go People used to talk about that when I was a kid. I didn't understand. You heard Donna say she liked to work out. I like to work out too. It doesn't have much effect on me, but I like to do it. And when I was a kid, I couldn't understand that because I could do chin-ups all day long. Now I can only do a chin-up if i got a ladder. Because I weigh more and my muscles are weaker. And I can't grip and hold on like I used to. got arthritis in my hands. i just just not where I used to be. And I'm beginning to understand that if God's not holding me in his hand, I'm in trouble. 
But you see, God's holding on to me. I'm not holding on to God. Now, I'm trying to hold on to God, but I'm telling you, my security is in him, not in myself. And then I love verse 6. We've been accepted. We've already read verse 6. Look at it again. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he's blessed us in the beloved. It's that same word, that highly favored. But why did God favor us? Why does God bless us? Why does God, you know, remember what I said about blessed. It may be good stuff, but it may be bad stuff. But we're still blessed because God's chosen us to use us. Verse 6 tells us why he uses us. What does it say? Look at it. Always get the answer from the Bible. Look at verse 6. He chose us to, so that we would be the praise of his grace. That we would bring glory and honor to God, to the praise of His glorious grace. That we show His wonderful holiness to show the glory of who He is. That He takes a man who's condemned to hell, headed down a highway that ends in hell. And He reaches down and He takes me off that highway and puts me on the narrow road. And He calls me His own. He makes me His son. So I call God my Father. And I walk on a trail that leads me at the end to heaven. Why the narrow way? The broad way is more comfortable. you got a lot of company there. There's plenty of places to stop and take it easy. The narrow trail is hard to find, hard to stay on. You, it, it's, it's a tough trail. But the reason you rather pick that trail is what happens at the end. Because the broad way leads to destruction. The narrow way leads to heaven. And God puts us on that trail. And he brings us to a place where we can show the glory of God. So Mary, Jesus never abandoned Mary, only even on the cross. By the way, Mary hung in there. At the cross, she's still there. You ought to do a study one time, sometime about the women in the gospel story. Because the men tucked tail and ran. The women stuck it out. And back then, women, women today are crying about being mistreated. Go over there. Check it out. Jesus gave you a place of honor. And if it weren't for Jesus, you wouldn't have that. And so, on the cross, he turns Mary over to John to take care of her. But I want you to understand that Mary was a sinner and needed a Savior. And she said, I'll do it. And in her body, she bore Jesus, right? Why did God... What is the job of the church? Let me put it that way. I'll take an audible answer. Why are we here? What's our job? Thank you to fulfill the Great Commission, which says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every living creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I command you. Lord, I'm with you always, even in the age. Unless you go, lead them to Christ, bring them into fellowship, and disciple them, you haven't done evangelism. Just want to make sure you get that. But here's my point. Mary physically carried Jesus. It's our job to physically carry Jesus to all the world. I work in the church because the church is God's method. We are God's thing. And I, I don't know if I came up with this phrase, but I, I never heard anybody else use it. The church is the vehicle in which Jesus rides. And just as Mary carried Jesus and gave birth to him, so we carry Jesus to give birth to the gospel in other people's lives. And by the way, If you haven't had a baby come live with you yet, we had three come live with us. And they come in, and all they want to do is cry 
eat, sleep, and poop. <laughs> if you leave them alone for a few minutes, they could die. Or at least that's what you think. And you're scared to death. And they're messy and they're noisy and you don't get much sleep. And I remember thinking, when will I ever get to eat an uninterrupted meal again? I mean, I just, you, you just, it never lets up. It never, if you think you can come to church and listen, all of my family, brothers and sisters that are nicely dressed in a comfortable spot here this morning. If you want to give birth to babies, it's painful. I remember when Janice was pregnant, one day she looked and went, wait a minute. This thing's got to get out of me. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, that pain of childbirth became real to her. It, it's not easy. And they're messy, and they're trouble, and they're expensive, and it's tough. But it's worth it. So if Calvary really wants to give birth to babies, it may not be so neat. It may not be so orderly. They may come in here and make a mess everywhere. Praise God. Because let me just tell you, there's nothing greater. Nothing greater. That's why we're here. To bear Jesus to the world, just like Mary did. Well, what can you do about it this week as an individual? Well, a few things. Number one, you can carry Jesus throughout the season by witnessing to the reason. It's not about a manger. It's not about gifts. It's not about red and green. It's about... Jesus going to a cross. And so, carry Jesus with you wherever you go. Number two, let your mistakes become God-shaping moments. We make a mistake. Oh, God's done with me. Oh, I can't believe I did it. Well, repentance is a good thing, but here's the deal. It's not final. It's not fatal. He's going to forgive you, pick you up, and keep you going, okay? So just keep going. Learn from it. Become what God's trying to get you to see. In my three examples of Mary, twice she messed up. Jesus, what are you doing? Hey, Jesus, do this. Mom, just calm down. <laughs> right? And she learned from that. She became a, a better follower because of that. Number three, realize the gifts God's already given you. He's already equipped you to do what he made you to do. So do that. Do what he made you to do. And especially here at Christmas when we're thinking about his birth so much. Realize that he was born so that you wouldn't have to die. He came here to die for us on a cross so that we could accept him. So that he could live in us and we could go to heaven when we die. So maybe God wants you to be Mary for somebody else. And carry Jesus to them. Just as she brought Jesus to the world.